Why, why are you touching the mic with your nose? Steve, I'm a little out of sorts today. <laughs> should, we, uh, should we get through this one quickly then? <clears throat> Hello and welcome. I'm Steve. And I'm Ill. And I'm Brett. And this is Fools with Tools, a podcast for the pasty plumber. Guys, how are we all? Al, you're ill, so maybe if you talk first and then you can fall asleep. That sounds like a plan. Yeah. I've gone a bit Jeff Bridges. <laughs> yeah. Do you mean what have you been up to? Yeah. Okay. Um, I've been to Make a Fair in Hanover, which was fantastic. Um, lovely place. I love Germany. Are you sure uh, it's not pronounced Hangover? More like hangover, am I right? Oi, sorry, continue. Um, yeah, there's some great people there. Um, I met some people for the first time, like uh, Lucas and um, Hassan as well from Habu, which is really great. Um, and then people like Alex were there. Um, Kiel, again, was basically running the show, as he likes Yay, to do. Uh, and then Caroline and Ellen were there, and there's some others. Phil from Eight Trades, it was fantastic. It was a really good bunch of us. Um, and James from Alton Make also made the journey over from, from the UK. But nice. um, yeah, met a lot of new faces, uh, saw a lot of really cool things, uh, had some fun. Uh, and it was a flying visit. I was in Saturday morning, then out Sunday night. So it was a, oh my. a, a, a quick stop in Hanover. Um, oh my. Oh my. But it was loads and loads of fun. Uh, and I couldn't Good recommend looking. it. Cool. It was the tin type. Or the, oh yeah, the so the, one of the one of the stalls that was there um, inside was a was an old uh, tin type photographer's um, yeah. silver builder, which is silver build silver printer in German. Um, but it was beautiful booth with just like individual plates photography, and then they were the couple of the guys were getting them done, and then they came outside and they took a photograph of all of us. So there's a really cool picture of all the kind of uh, YouTube makers that were there. Um, I think Carolyn's put it up on Facebook. I'm not sure. Maybe Instagram. Yeah. Um, but we'll put a link. We'll put a link in the old uh, shouts, and you can check sure. it out. But it's, it's just stunning the way it kind of captures like a totally different personality than digital photography does. Yeah, uh, and I... it's not in a kind of like romantic like oh it's it's because it's lost art. It's just something really fucking cool about the way that the photography yeah. looks. <laughs> like all the shadows are like super intense, so it gets all like your emotions and all the kind of wrinkles in your face, and you know everything feels much more deep set so there's a, there's a much more emo emotion to it yeah but yeah no. fantastic fantastic process um, and it just kind of summed up the weekend really it was just a really nice uh gathering um and especially the maker truck as well i think i think luca really pulled that off um it was a great place to meet you know it kind of gathered people around it and there's lots of people getting involved and making different things around this truck so kudos to him yeah no i'm really glad you brought up the um a the maker truck because that thing looks fucking awesome, but also the uh, the photography because as soon as I saw that, I kind of fangirled a little bit because I love that sort of stuff. Um, Steve, there was there was a fair bit for there for you. There was a couple oh, of little stalls. There was like um, some steam engines and stuff. It was really yeah, yeah I think you'd be right up yeah. your street. Yeah, this is not all fucking three D printing at Maker Fair, you know. Everyone. <laughs> Because it, it made me really happy um, seeing, because uh, I think Ellen um, sent me about 50 messages with like random stuff that she knew I'd love. Um, and that's basically all I've actually seen of Make Affair so far, because 
where where I've been so busy this last few days, I've not had a chance to check and catch up on any social medias. But uh, yeah, it looked fucking awesome. Brett. Talking about busy, Steve, what have you been up to? Well, I want um, to hear Steve first. Okay, cool. Uh, in which case, I'm going to quickly reference something else because you saying that about uh, Make Affair and it not just being um, about 3D printers and stuff like that. Anyone who's going to the New York Make Affair, um, Cliff Dufton and uh, Sunset Forge and Jeff Fedder of uh, Fedder Knives, those guys are all going to be at New York Make Affair and they are fucking awesome, all three of them. Um, really, really, really talented smiths. Um, if you don't follow them already on uh, Instagram, go do that now. I'll put a link in the shows because they're fucking great. Um, but yeah, so they're going to be there. They're going to be doing some blacksmithing demonstrations, um, some tool making, possibly some, I guess with Jeff there, they'll probably do some knives or something, but I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, it's definitely gonna be worth checking out. Uh, I have since putting up the episode last week, I have been, uh, nonstop, um, with the good life experience. So we loaded the entire, uh, workshop into the back of a transit, drove for, about 12 hours to get to Wells because the, the, the M5 was shut. Like, thanks, Al. Uh, and uh, got there, had to unload everything and then put up the marquee. And it was only after that that I realized I hadn't packed a mattress. So I got to sleep on the floor of a van for the whole time. It was great. Um, but yeah, no, it was a really, really good experience. Lot Met lots and lots of people. Um, had some uh, some interesting chats with people that are going to be coming along to some courses and stuff next year. Taught a lot of people how to make nails. Um, did some incredible stuff with the uh, the guys from Pole Hunt and Warner, which is uh, Alex, my boss, um, plus Ed, the knife maker, and Valentine Warner, the chef, um, putting on this crazy, mad live show. Um, that'll all be going up on their relative social media soon as soon as i've sent them the photos um and yeah some of the people i got to see up there were really nice including uh jim um jim parking who runs the amazing scene machine which is this really cool little thing uh well, little thing uh like stand thing where they they have a, a scene set up um on a board and people go along and make stuff out of plasticine uh to add to the the scene um and just because he was there and because he could jim decided to make a portrait of a dog oh i'm sorry do a portrait of a dog um which you think if it's out of plasticine it's just gonna be you know a little 3d model but this was like an oil painting with plasticine it was absolutely insane um looked incredibly stunning so i'll put a link to to jim's stuff in the uh shows as well and you guys make anything for the scene definitely go check it out i didn't no because i i literally didn't leave the the forge for the three days that it was the festival was running which is why my voice is kind of gone um it was completely gone sunday morning to the point where i had to get joe to run the demos for me because i couldn't talk so he had to do the voice and i just did the actions um but i'm hoping that i might be able to convince uh, Nick to invite Jim along to uh, make a central next year, um, so that people can go and have a go with uh, with.
the the amazing scene machine there because I think it'd be a really like good one. A, a scene from Maker Central of all kids, yeah. kids had to it and stuff would be awesome. Yeah, exactly. So uh, hopefully we're gonna get that happening. But um, yeah, uh, Brett, Oi. what have you been up to? Oi. I have been throwing my camera into cement. Told you that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, 15 minutes before we started recording, I had a little bit of a kerfuffle and now my lens is broken. Um, other than that, I was in the middle of filming us moving all of our blacksmithing stuff to get set up for the class. That's pretty much just been every day, um, is moving a little bit of stuff around. We got the concrete poured. David was over here. We put the structure up. So everything's enclosed at least from the top and the space as we're filling it up with all of the anvils and, and equipment and everything like that, the space is definitely getting smaller and smaller. So what we're trying to do is optimize it. Maybe there'll, if the weather's decent enough, we can push outwards outside, you know, if, if no one's going to get rained on or if no one's going to get rained on, we can put the anvils outside or, you know, maybe some of the equipment or the hammer racks or something. So we're just trying to sort all that stuff out. I've been filming all of the move and now I have to stop filming the move and sort out that. Yay! But I restored a bunch of tools and posted a video last week for the class that we're going to get some use out of because we didn't have them prior. Yep. And I, I made, I made them into working tools. Yes, you did. Um, I actually wanted to ask you a quick question about that. Uh, with, the blacksmith shop because mm -hmm. am i right in thinking that it's all open-sided so it's just a, a cover there's three sides because it's attached to the back of the machinist shop uh, okay, barn cool. thing that he's got so it's three sides okay that's not too bad then. yeah cool um in which case should we just move into the of course good segue steve Let's nicely done I was actually going to explain why we're going to talk about what we're going to talk about, but All you right, guys decided to jump in. Let's do it. Um, so with Al saying about how you can see the difference um, in uh, the this, um, silver plate photography compared to digital and, and how that's changed, and uh, with uh, my point about the um, uh, Jim doing the plasticine portrait, um, instead of using oils or anything like that. And with, oh, I've just trapped my arm. Uh, and with Brett, sorry. <laughs> and with Brett saying, uh, talking earlier on about um, uh, restorations, we, we kind of had a conversation in the in the chat about whether it was um, more important to do it, the to, to show the story or to concentrate on showing the correct way to do things. Um, we thought we'd just have a, a bit of a chat about just that about whether or not you should do things in the right way or whether you should experiment with things a bit more and and perhaps not necessarily do it the right way or the the best way but don't do it the best way that's <laughs> a reasons? terrible idea no nah, nah, the best way is well that, that's the thing is the best way is subjective it's like is it the best way to, to tell the story or is it the best way to to get the result you want um which or sorry yeah so it's for for example, for restoring, is it the best way to tell the story or is it the best way to restore the tool? You know, because they're not always um, completely aligned. And, uh, and yeah, we thought we'd just kind of... I think restoring is an interesting one because we, we talked about this, um, I think it wasn't on the show, but 
we had a little chat about restorations, Brett, and what it actually means to restore something. Like for me, restoring it is just picking it up. <laughs> if it's if it's in a bucket at a car boot sale and needs restoring, the the, the bit that's missing is the is the person and the user. Right. Yeah. Um, obviously, if like the handle or something on it is fucked or it doesn't work or you know there's a there's an action to it that needs um, that needs to start moving again, you, you know you need to get it back into working order, but. To me, restoration isn't necessarily the full-blown um, hand-tooled rescue, beautiful, good as new, uh, you know, brand new paint job. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I kind of like just lick it, lick a WD forty, uh, maybe sharpen the edge, and and that, that to me is restoration. Right. I but, I, I I'm in agreement there because. Because you like shiny things. Because oh, you're a ladybug. I'm a ladybug. I'm a ladybug. That's like yeah. the nicest comment ever. I, I know. know. I can't even be upset about that except for the uh, end of the sentence ending with a period and then just the word gay. So, yeah, yeah whatever. Um, I'm I'm in full agreement on that because I... It's, it's absolutely an aesthetic choice at the end of the day, whether or not you want to repaint something or, or get it back to looking like it came off the factory floor. That's absolutely just a personal preference. And it has nothing to do with the tool working better or worse than, like you say, Al, if it does, if it serves the purpose that it needs, it doesn't really matter what it looks like. Yeah. And so even with the, the tools that I restored in the last video, all of them are still beat up and there's hammer marks in them or there's little scuffs taken out of them. The faces of everything are clean because that transfers to the metal, right? It's like a textured hammer at that point. And so everything's cleaned up because I wanted it to be leaving clean marks in the steel. Yeah. I didn't do anything to the rest of it. You know, I threw them in a bucket of evaporus because that stuff is magic. And then I put <laughs> handles on it and now everything works. I actually had a handful of really good comments uh, come in asking about specific ways that certain things were handled because, you know, Steve, we had the discussion about it. Something like a flatter or a hot cut tool or anything that's meant to be struck is probably going to break at yeah. some point, you know, due to overstriking or just getting hit wonky or something. And so just putting a wedge in the front rather than a steel pin and everything, you know, doing extra work for something that's eventually going to break. And then you have to take it apart. Yeah. Like just get it back to where it works. Yeah. Because if, especially if it's going to break at that point, you might as well just make it like as minimal amount of work on your end to get it to usability. Yeah, and then you're not going to feel bad about destroying it like a two thousand dollar camera lens. <laughs> I mean, not yeah. that I'm mad or upset or anything. You know? No, not at all. There's a really good point in there, I, Brett. That, oh. um, just again, one. I'm, I'm just there's, a, there's only you only had one good point. But, um, all right, good. And I know it's the same thing in the video is that you, you, you spent a lot of time showing one method of handling it. And then the next couple, you just write very quickly. It was like, right in wedge next. Um, and I knew why you were doing that because I was privy to that conversation. Um, mm-hmm. But in the video, it wasn't clear, but I kind of like that because what it does, it invites conversation. Yeah. It invites a dialogue. If somebody was interested, you know, that's a nice way for them to go. Oh, dude, what's going on? How come you handled that one in that way, that one in that way, you know, you're getting lazy or you know do you run out of wood it's like no actually there's an entirely different use of this tool they both look like hammers but one's for something completely different and is more prone to, to breakage so i i don't know if it's deliberate but i saw that as a really nice um conversation starter from a video so it's not just here's a video of me take it or leave it it was like here's a video you know yeah well come and join yeah, in and- come and join in you know we, we, we say this a lot it's, it, this is a community this is um 
we're not just showing off. These are not music yeah. videos. This is actually, uh, uh, you know, also on the flip side, it, it wasn't a tutorial. It wasn't yeah. here's how to handle a flatter. It yeah. was. It was just. This is me restoring some some blacksmithing tools. So I, th I just thought there was a really nice sort of hidden uh, freebie in there. Anyway. Yeah. yeah, it was. You know, I I admit that it wasn't necessarily planned to start that conversation, but it's also why I don't. That was the most talking I've ever done in a video, right? And that was a little uncomfortable in general. But I I was talking to somebody else recently while I was finishing the video, and it was kind of the first time I've done a video that I felt like I knew what I was doing. You know, like from start to finish, it was like, I know how to do this process before. So I felt more comfortable presenting it as I know a couple of ways that I learned from other people. So I am just transferring that knowledge on, but like, please feel free to ask questions was just mm -hmm. in the back of my head. And uh, to open it up to more conversation than just discussing my video is I, the people that I've met that are more comfortable um, in the idea that getting something back to working order for the sake of using it is, is my favorite approach in terms of restoring stuff. You know, the, yeah. the kind of stuff that Eric does, uh, those tools will work by the end of it. Yeah. That's his whole reasoning behind it. And now we have the big Milwaukee bandsaw that him and uh, Jimmy restored mm. and Jim's used it a hundred times already since. And it's fantastic because it looks great, but like it runs like a top and it's yeah. really, really nice. But they didn't overdo it. They like Jimmy was the one that specifically was like, I don't really want to coat it in paint. So he left it the raw steel. They coated it in yeah. some oil or some, some permalax sealer or something like that. But he didn't want to doll it up. But he's done that to the paper cutter. We have two old antique 100 year old paper cutters. <laughs> one of them is in working order, but still covered in rust and pockmarks everywhere that the paper doesn't touch. And then he did the one in the video that's, you know, black spray paint and looks like it came off the factory floor. Yeah. I mean, because I think um, it's it's an interesting point, like you, you saying that one, because there was a few things that you did in the video that I wouldn't necessarily have done or I might have done differently or, or whatever. And that's not that your way was was better or worse or whatever it's just a slightly different way of doing it i mean we've we've discussed it with the handles before and and i think just quickly going back to that like al made a really good point about the fact that that invites discussion um and and also obviously we we've we've got your your favorite troll on your uh in your comments but He's my favorite I love, I love <laughs> but uh, i had it um on one of the videos that i put up i i was using a flatter and I think we've discussed it before on here where we kind of use the the Swedish method of handling top tools where you literally just go out, grab a a, a stick or a branch and you, you shave it down very, 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 very roughly and use that. Um, and I had someone basically uh, try putting in a, like a, a piss takey comment along the lines of, oh, I think you need a new handle for your flatter. And I explained why we do it like that and, and, and the fact that it's a traditional method and, and all this, and the fact that I don't like the English method of, of doing uh, steel handles because of X, Y, and Z and everything else. And because I put this nice um, kind of non-aggressive explanation as to why, he then came back and was like, oh, that actually makes a lot of sense. That's really nice. And since then, he's commented on a few more of my videos and actually asking questions and getting engaged. I think I think um, that's the, the important thing to like not be reactionary. Like yeah. if, someone, if someone says to you, you know, especially in something like a comment, why have you done it like that? 
yeah. you know, they didn't necessarily write it like that. They might exactly. have written it like, oh, why have you done it like that? <laughs> yeah, it, it's. I think it's important to kind of to to remember that and to and to go and think in, into things, kind of uh, trying to read it in a in a positive way yeah. um, rather than trying to read it in a negative way. Um, but yeah, I mean, and and what you said about uh, the different stages of tools, like there's of restoration. Um, there's uh, like with with top tools, for example, um, you can you can go in and you can absolutely mirror polish them and there is no reason at all not to do that um but at the same time i've seen some people that have like al said they'll literally dig out of a bucket of rust you know poke the the rotten wood out of the hole stick a new handle in it and start using it like that and that's fine there's there's certain things that i would do like if, if you've got mushrooming on the end like maybe just shave that off just so that it doesn't chip and go flying and yeah little, like safety aspects stuff like that but right but that's that's so much of it sorry not to stop you but yeah, 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 yeah. safety thing it's a yeah. safety thing restore it to where it's in working order and not going to hurt you it's not that i want a new handle on it it's, it's, it's probably going to come flying off like <laughs> yeah literally, literally in the hotel i was de-handling a hammer because alex gave me a um another alex alex <laughs> alex tq gave me a hammer yeah and he, he just he basically just he was sat there again, bucket of rust, and he just literally put it on the belt, uh, put a flat face on it again. He was like, and he just, and I, I had my apron in that I'd made. Um, so when Kat and Rich came up, uh, I made an yeah. apron. And so I was wearing that all weekend, and Alex just hooked this apron into my little, because I had a little hammer hook. Um, and I was like, well, I can't take this on the plane because it's in my hand luggage. So I was, I was taking the handle off, and I was like, oh, well, I might as well do it now, and then I can rehandle it when I get home. Yeah. Uh, fuckers wouldn't let me take it through, though. Mm. even just the head on its own like the, yeah. the this is a weapon it's wow. very heavy it's very strong oh. <laughs> i wasn't allowed this to bring it very strong <laughs> <laughs> you're horrible but, um, but okay so so when it comes to i have to ask this because we have a blacksmith here and we have a hacksmith here um axes axes hatchets everything like that uh, cutting edge stuff, cutting edge technology nice. <laughs> from a hundred years ago. Um, I'm really fascinated by rehandling them because the steel is always so good. Hmm. Like I really love those old tools. Not like I'm a lumberjack going out and professionally cutting down trees every day, but I, I find it a little off putting to know how many uh, ax heads we have sitting in the shop. <laughs> no handles on them. Most yeah. of them are covered in rust, but all of them are, you know, some of them are true tempers, and you know that's a pretty decent yeah. brand. You can see some that have been drop forged. You, we have some that you can see the fold where it's actually been folded over. And like, yeah. I know they're all good steels, but I, I have to admit, because I've learned from the Smiths that I've learned from, they are specific to axe making, tool making, all of that. And there's kind of some rules that you got to adhere to and, and some stuff that'll make your tool not work so well, or you're going to end up bodging the, the heat treatment on it, you know, or the hardening or the tempering of it. And so when I was working on the hot cut tool, I know I did a grind test on it and it was super high spark, you know, fireworks at the end and everything. So I know it had been hardened. You could hear it glassy on a file. It wouldn't cut with a hardened file. So everything I've learned up to this point is, it has to stay cold if you're going to sharpen it. 
You can't overheat it. You'll ruin the temper. And I did that once before I knew any better. And the first time I used that axe, Hmm. there's a huge dent in it now where it just, it had, you know, gotten brittle because I ruined the temper. And now that axe head needs to be ground back almost a half an inch. But Brett, what about all these YouTube videos where everyone's just grinding shit for ages? I know (laughs) that's where, but it doesn't matter. It does. It's a personal approach, right? Like the respect factor of it is an absolute, just it's an ego or it's a personal thing. So that's why I get stuck in the middle ground sometimes where Jim just did the Franken axe where he took two pieces of carbon steel because you could see the grind in the video and I could see it, you know, standing in front of it. He took two pieces of hardened steel, carbon steel, and welded them together and ground them down to craziness. And so, like, I know the temper's gone on those because at yeah. one point the water steamed off of the steel when he tried to, like, quote unquote, cool it down. I know it's ruined. And I even asked him about it because we've learned a lot from the same people. I was like, well, what do you, you know? Are you going to reheat treat it? And he goes, no, it's about the idea of it. And I don't mind if it's a wall hanger. And that's it. That's the end of that discussion. There, yeah. there doesn't have to be an ego otherwise to it. No. He I also mean, sealed it with poly and like, <laughs> stop it. I mean, it, it's interesting you uh, that you brought up the, the hot cut um, because it's a top tool. It's, it's going to get put on something that is uh, 800 degrees plus. Um, uh, uh, see, I'm, I'm referring to stuff in, in Celsius. Um, right. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, What's that in American? I don't One know. billion. One billion. Three mongooses or something. I don't fucking know. Um, so, yeah, like uh, with hot, uh, with top tools. So, and and to be fair, any hot cut kind of uh, tools, any drifts, any anything like that, the, the temper on it is always going to need constantly redoing. I mean, for a lot of our tools, like the, the drifts, for example, the axe drifts we use, we don't heat treat them. We, we normalize them and then we leave them to one side. We just, we use um tougher steels and we just accept the fact that every now and then we're gonna have to regrind them i was gonna um, say is it just a regrind job as opposed to actually redoing the whole thing because yeah uh, yeah obviously you, you can only regrind so many times yeah. um but it's like reforge and regrind um occasionally doing a normalization cycle so that it, any stresses that are then within it can get taken out and stuff like that um the hot cut tools are um most of ours are, are hardy tools as opposed to actually top tools um but every now and then you will need to to reheat treat them because like you say you know as soon as it gets above i think it's uh 250 is to, is where you get your tempering colors that's where like dark straw starts to or wet straw starts to come in um and for anybody that doesn't know what i'm talking about with uh with regards to wet straw and with tempering colors if you just go into google and type blacksmith temper colors um like guide or chart or anything then look on Google images and there'll be a, a list or a shitload of images on there that you can see. Um, and it basically is, uh, it's for when your steel goes back to being soft after hardening it. Um, and wet straw is kind of the generally the ideal level because it means that it's still tough and still nice, but it's taken the brittleness out of it. Uh, cause when you harden something, obviously it goes very, very hard and becomes brittle. Um, but yeah, so something like that. Like if you're if you're aware of of what it is and what it's used for, like you are with the hot cut, you know that that's already been because you did the spark test. You know it's already been heat treated. You know it's already there. So you want to be careful for it with it. Um, 
Yeah, yeah I, think, I think there's, there's, there's a scale, right? So there's 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 knowing what it's for and why it's done that way. Yeah. Um, which is like your basic knowledge. But you know, Brett, you always talk about like, yeah, it's fine going off and being rogue and being a maverick and doing what you want, but you got to know the basics first. Yeah. So. Yes, that's what the tool's for. That's why it's done that way. There's the other extreme where you know every single detail and you're really pedantic about everything. It's like, oh, you can't do it this. You know, you get you get real kind of I know axes specifically, Brett, you get real axe nerds going on yeah. about the very specific reasons behind things. Um and why it might be shaped that way, why, you know, why there's a certain bevel on that side, why the handles arced around like this. And Ninety-nine times out of hundred, you're never going to need that. You're never going to know that. You're never going to know that feature is relevant. Oh, that was for when uh, they used to have them in carriages, and they were on the the right hand side of the road. And, and when somebody was attacking them, it's like, <laughs> what? That's not relevant anymore. Forget about yeah. it. Yeah, 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 yeah and there's yeah. somewhere in between. You know, like I, I yeah. remember seeing, um, I think it was uh, Macromona talking about like the at- anatomy of a handsaw, and I was like, well, handle blade. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you no, know, he got like an old uh it was an old like panel saw, I think, or tenon saw. And just pointing out all the different bits on the handle and the different shapes and things and where your thumb sits and where your hand sits and how you can use it as a lever. And he was talking about all these things as if they were like features or buttons, as if it was yeah. like a, a really elaborate advanced power tool. And actually at one point it probably was. Yeah. And you know, depending on how far back you hold your thumb and how much you rest on a certain part of the saw is you can you can control the angle and the speed of the cut. And it was like, what? You know, everything the detail that had gone into into something, which we just take for granted, um, are features that you can use. So everything we talk about, Brett, axes, different axes from different places. You Steve, you might like the way that a British handle uh, you might like a British head, but you might not like a British handle. Yeah. So you might chop and change, which might upset a lot of people, but for your needs. Yeah, um, it's more than adequate, and also meets your personal tastes. Yeah. So there's a, there's a combo there between something that like you you want something for its features, but also you like the way it looks. You know, we're yeah. all great people. We all we all like shiny shinies. Yeah. And, well, if you're part of the ladybug crew, <laughs> you love shiny things and gems. Um, Perfect. Yeah. Sorry, because all I was um, kind of going to say was was with with stuff like that, it, you can like like I said, you can get really, really into it and you can, um, so, but if, if you're restoring something like, like Jimmy's, if it's for a wall hanger, it doesn't fucking matter. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've, I've seen people before where they've purposely ground stuff to, to get the temper colors into it just because they want to have a, a gradient of temper colors along yeah. the blade edge, even mm-hmm. though then Alex, Alex does it with his, um, his pry bars and stuff. And yeah. Yeah. yeah Those titanium cool. ones. Yeah. They look fucking awesome. And um, and it's about what, not just about what the tool is designed to be used for, but what you want to use it for. If you want to hang it on the wall, it doesn't fucking matter. But yeah, and, and also I I see it as a massive learning process. Yeah, if yeah, you're exactly. not it, because we keep bringing up the the example of axes because it's just it's a it's kind of a simple form. We've all seen it. There's there's tons of them being shown off online and everything, but it's such a simple process in terms of like wood steel yeah at that point at that level it can be appreciated just for that for the form for your choices in terms of way the handle looks or if you finish it or if you oil it or if you burn it like i do like it doesn't really matter if the point of it is to you know experience some learning get into some wood carving maybe make the handle out of a tree that you cut down or you go and store by it and spend more time on you know, yeah. that antique head that you found. Yeah. All of that is great. 
And all of it is is knowledge that you can use to later go, you know what, I know this axe isn't gonna work very well, or I know this tool, whatever the hell it is, was made so that I could learn some more about this tool. Like you said, Al, like if you know every single little detail at a certain point, you can start to make your own decisions and choices. You get your yeah. purists on the one end of the spectrum that are like, it has to be done this way or it is not the proper way. <laughs> you know, th those people that are just dead set on there's one way to do everything. And then you get the other side of it where you go, I just want to make something cool yeah. or I want to refurbish something cool, dunk it in a vapor rust and put it on a wooden handle. Ta-da! Like uh, you probably <laughs> are going to achieve something by doing that and you'll learn something in the process. Yeah. I like living in that middle ground because I can have a respect for the handmade tools that look a little beat up and have some use. Well, I like them to look like they have use because it, it has character to it. It has age to it. It tells a story. Yeah, I'm probably never going to be able to really just afford going out and buying $60 hammers and stuff. So if I can find one in a bucket of rust, I'll use that one, even though it looks yeah. like shit, because it's still a piece <laughs> of steel that I'll put on a piece of wood and then I'll hit stuff with it. Yeah. It serves the purpose exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, the same, it's the same with like anything, like cars. Like you know, People will get classic cars and completely strip them down. And then, like, re you know, rebuild them and re re refill them, and then respray them and and reupholster everything. It's like yeah. it's the classic um, uh, trigger. I've oh, I've had this I've had this uh, broom for oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've had this broom for twenty five years. It's only had six handles and four heads. But it's like what what's left of the original broom? Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, same with cars. Like, I'd much prefer to have just like an old fucked up Honda Civic. That's like from the eighties or the seventies, and is just, you know, mechanically sound, but it's a little Hang bit on older. for dear life. No, not 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 like a, a, a really depressing mangy old dog, but just like it it it's not ashamed of being a, a 30, 40 year old car. Yeah, um, it's got its charms, it's got its quirks, you know, um, but it but it, you can clean it. You know, yeah. You can still wipe the mud off it. You might not completely restore the paint job. It might need a bit of tea cutting, but I don't. I don't want a. You know what do they call them um, when the cars are on like the, the, not the avenue, but the like the the dis when they when they're showing Four them court. off. Four yes. Yeah. Um, when they're going to auction and stuff, I don't want that kind of car. You know, yeah. like because because the second I put a fingerprint on, it's fucked. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> that's the thing is like because I obviously used to go to a lot of hot rod shows and things like that. And the amount of people that would, they'd, they'd have their car and they'd have it on a truck and they'd get it delivered to the <laughs> what, show. What's it a fucking car then? And then, <laughs> and then they'd drive it off and they wouldn't go above like five miles an hour. Yeah. And they, they didn't want to go anywhere near a dirt road because they might get a chip in the paintwork and, and all this. And it's like, that, that's great and everything, but I'm, I'm going to go see the guy that's got fucking three holes in the floor and one of the seats is half burnt because... He's he's actually going to drive this car. He's actually going to use it and make use of it and enjoy it. And I think like that's that's the difference between for, for the uh, tools example. That's the difference between having a, a wall hanger and and something that's a bit bit beat up and gnarly, but fucking works. And and you don't feel bad about using it. Like I've seen people that have spent so much time restoring a tool or a axe or whatever, and then they they don't want to use it. They want to they want to hang it on the wall. And if that's what you want to do, fine. But if if you want to use it and you do that much work to it, you're going to undo a lot of that work within the first few hours of using that tool. Right. That's mm, 
the wall hanger conversation is especially with some of the purest folks that gets to be a really, really thin ice area to walk on because for some reason there's a condescension to having something that just looks neat. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't, <laughs> I don't know. And, you know. I don't think yeah. you were going in that direction at all, but I know half the stuff that I've made in videos. It just, I don't like that it sits in the shop, but it just happens to be something that I really wanted to try some techniques out on. And yeah. it is for all intents and purposes, a quote unquote wall hanger because yeah. it just sits and doesn't really do anything. I tend to not make things if they're not going to get used. It's just a personal approach to stuff, but we have tons of people in our little community that make beautiful things that are just meant to be appreciated to be beautiful. Yeah. Right. Matthew, Matthew makes those rattles, the baby rattles, yeah. which are like made out of beautiful pieces of wood. And he, he's a, he's a, He's the best boy. <laughs> rattles, you know, yeah. his tiny shop. And those things are great, but like a baby's not going to hold one of those and go, Oh man, this is, this is my favorite rattle. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's like the, um, the wooden cake knife thing that I made. That's never going to get used. I never <laughs> intended for that to get used. It was just, it was a bit of fun. It was trying, like you said, trying out some new techniques, trying out some different things and making something that just looked nice. Granted, it also served the purpose of taking the piss out of a lot of people, but it was just—it's just there as, a, as something that looked nice. Al made the best pruning saw I've ever seen. You <laughs> yeah. know, runs on green gas, green fire, and gas. But you know, I've never actually—I—I I haven't actually seen you use it since old Brainless came out in the first video. But I love knowing that there's something like that exists. I've gotten to hold it. I do actually like you, use it. You made that. Well, I haven't seen enough video of you using it, and that would be really awesome. But that's something that you made that does function. But I guarantee you there'd be plenty of people that are like, oh, you could go you know, buy a trimming saw if you want to. They make them. You're like, I made that one. Yeah. I made that one from scratch, from parts and stuff that was throwaway or like bits and bobs that you got from a car boot sale or whatever the hell it was. I like I that dynamic. Yeah, but I think, yeah. I think it's important that we, we kind of – respect everyone's different point of view at it yeah it was um the risk of this becoming a fucking the axe podcast like <laughs> i want to bring it down I want, I want to bring it back to when i was a chef um but it was the same then like people, people would come and review the restaurant and it would be um oh the food's really great and it's really good value and it's really nice atmosphere but it could work on his presentation and it's like but i'm that's not why i'm doing it like i'm not making something to look pretty like it'll look tasty like that's really important you know it's got to be appetizing and look like you want to eat it but yeah. i'm not creating i'm not creating a fucking installation of food yeah to take a photograph of that's not what this is this is come and eat delicious things in your mouth yeah. you realize you put this in your mouth and mush yeah. it up right you it poop right you're gonna take yeah. a photograph of the poop no <laughs> so just put some smears and some some <laughs> little gelatin balls and and some some of the little tiny herbs, the tiny little micro herbs. Like no, I want like a massive just slab of meat and some delicious potatoes. But but Al, the first bite is is with your eyes. Yeah, and it looks delicious. It doesn't look like <laughs> a tiny little watch strap. I want my food to look like food, like yeah. it came from France. No, I. Uh... I kind of agree. And the thing is, I think, like you said, it, it is. It's horses for courses. Um, literally, in France. Yeah. Um, 
but sorry that uh, I got excited then because uh, you reminded me of something that happened at the weekend, um, which is because of the whole Paul Hunt and Warner thing. At one point, uh, Val was using one of the axes to cook with, mm-hmm. and uh, and when he was using it to cut up a chunk of pork or beef or something, it was great. But at one point, he was trying to use it to um, take sweet corn off the cob. And it was great because I got this really nice shot of him doing it. And then him just turning around and saying to Alex, this axe is shit. (laughs) (laughs) 50 people and then picking up with the knives and going out with that. Um, Wow. But but I think that's the thing, though, is it it depends on, on what you want to use the thing for, whether it is a wall hanger and you don't give a shit about the functionality. You just want it to look good or whether you want something that, cause I, I've got tools at home that I haven't restored as it were. I've literally just brushed the cobs, cobwebs off, left the rust on it. And I've got them sat looking fucking cool. Cause I like how that it looks. I like it with, with all those, like, like Brett said, all the, all the, the work and everything in it. I'm not going to use that tool. I just want to have it around because I like looking at it. Um, and th- there's so many other, um, or so many variations of, of what you can do. Um, but uh, <laughs> thanks for that, Brett. Um, yeah, but Steve, if, if you went into the forge and, and you just saw a wall of like snap-ons or something or like shiny chrome, like yeah, just it would like, look branded stuff in, in the forge, it would be completely out of place. Yeah. So you've got you've got an aesthetic of, a, of an environment to think about as well, and it kind yeah. of spoils the atmosphere. Yeah, if you haven't I, got those lovely old tools, I, I know, this is in the house and jazz house. All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> why? Why is it? Why is it though? I, this is like yeah. I'm beating my brain over this because something that's meant to be appreciated visually or artistically done that is a quote-unquote wall hanger as this topic goes we literally have museums yeah dedicated to wall hangers because they literally hang on walls (laughs) (laughs) like artwork to be appreciated or something that someone's supposed to just stand in front of and go wow i like how that looks it speaks to me yeah it's inspirational i you know my my room is covered in artwork and stuff like that they're not tools but they they open yeah. up ideas or they motivate ideas or whatever. Yeah. And I don't know why there's some kind of weird give and take with people saying that, you know, a tool restoration has to be something that ends in a, you know, getting the crap kicked out of it like a normal yeah. tool was. Yeah. I mean, because it's, it's interesting you bring up that about the 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 um, connection between like that and, and or a wall hanger and, and an actual wall hanger, like a piece, piece of art. Um and I think it's because different things inspire different people. Like to me, seeing those old beat up tools that haven't been restored, that have all those marks in it, that that inspires me. That makes me go, actually, you know what? I, I want to go to work now. I want to go do that. Um, seeing a new shiny tool makes me want to use that tool and and beat it up and, and get it like that. And um, I know Ollie from uh, With Bare Hands, he put up a photo uh, in the last day or so Um of his like uh bit above his workbench and that was all bits of art and bits of like illustration and different things um that were there that he uses to inspire him um but just to go back to what i was saying uh a second ago um i think one of the things to to remember is like i was saying if, if if it's a wall hanger and that's what you're going for great do that if if that's your end goal and you don't care about the usability of it then then do that if you want to uh, restore a tool because you want to use it, then then 
then do it and 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 do that if if like like we were saying at the beginning you you don't necessarily know how to do it then you learn whether you learn by doing it wrong and fucking it up and then the next time you buy an old axe or an old hammer or whatever you you don't overheat it and you don't overgrind it or whatever then even better and the thing is is the more you learn and the more you do things like that and the more you realize that even if you do overcook it and oh fuck I, i've knackered the heat treat on it then you learn how to heat treat it great now you get to yeah. learn how to heat treat it exactly <laughs> so yeah you, there's, there's always um you can always bring something back like there's always money at the banana stand <laughs> exactly um but that's that's the thing is i think it's you shouldn't judge someone else just because they don't know what you know and and at the same time you shouldn't um get defensive if someone else offers you some advice on how they would do something. I mean, if yes, if someone turns around and goes, no, yeah, you're doing it wrong, you should do it like this, because that's how I do it, then fuck that guy. But, yeah, his name is Steve, and he doesn't want you to make tiny axes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, uh, but if it's someone that's offering you genuine advice or asking a question like, why did you do it like that? Why didn't you just do it like this? Then you have that conversation, and and everyone learns and everyone gets better. Yes. But, also, I've learned I have to just make that statement because that joke was a silly dig between us, but you've helped me so much and I've learned a lot from you. So thank you. <laughs> Al, what do you have to say? <laughs> Get a room. The, um, he yes, made Steve, me a better man. Steve, you summed it up perfectly. I think the fact that um, there isn't a right way, there isn't a wrong way. Um, the fact that you might want to restore something or keep something the way it is, you might want to use it, you might want to just hang it on a wall. Um, the, the bottom line is that it's your way and that's what you want to do. I think yeah. that um, if we all just respect one another, um, in, even just coming down to inanimate fucking object, you know, not even about... Your inanimate fucking object! <laughs> um, podcast bingo. Um <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're not even talking about like religious or political beliefs here. We're not talking about yeah. anything to do with sort of personality um, or society or culture. We're talking literally about objects and the way yeah. we, the things that we do to them, and people still get fucking upset. Know, At the so, end of the day, it's my materialistic, and I'll do what I want. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. You know, unless unless somebody else made it and you're fucking it up, and it's you know, it's kind of insulting. Yeah, I, I can't imagine any reason why you wouldn't just want someone to look. To, you know, let them do what they want to do. If it's about learning, if it's about fucking something up and then realizing, actually, I've ruined it, but this is this is how the first person learned about heat treating something. Yeah. It's how the first person learned about anything was about making a mistake. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, the fact that you can do things your own way, do things against the rules, against the grain, um, find find your own reason why you like something. Find your own reason why you like a, a certain handle over a different handle, why you might like to use carpet in your wood shop you know because it's nice yeah. underfoot you know it doesn't matter you know it's it's your decision to make you're a big boy um and do it your way yeah awesome cool uh fuck it let's go to spiffing spiffing So, Al, you're going first. Who do you think is spiffing? I think lots of people are spiffing. I'm going for my first double spiffy in a while. Um, 
First up is Alex TQ. Um, yeah. He was he's a super nice guy, and he's always been kind of really involved in the community. Um, but just spending the weekend and having him sort of teach me things really let me see a, a different side to him as well. Yeah. Um, super knowledgeable, uh, really sort of patient, and um, just loves seeing other people learn things. And loves, it's very similar to you, Steve, in terms of his sort of teaching method and approach. Um, but he was showing me the uh, the multi tool, multi tool Europe yeah. add on thing for bench grinders. That's fucking he awesome. Got, he'd, he'd done that one for for Luca for the for the maker truck, um, and basically was just showing me like the the different methods on it and basically going through the belts, different techniques, uh, how to put an edge on a knife, and we, ba- we basically <clears throat> we built this knife. Out of an old saw blade, while Ellen was making a little pouch out of denim, and it was all kind of this like yeah. um, live collab, which was fantastic. Awesome. But even back to talking what we were talking about earlier about sort of um, you know tempering of steel and not getting it too hot on the grinder and taking it and learning and mistakes and stuff. He was just really sort of um, yeah forgiving of the stuff I was doing and, and yeah. letting me do things and letting me learn as I was I was doing it. Um, it was a really nice approach to, to to learning as opposed to the classic sort of do it this way because this is the way I tell you to do it. Yeah. Um, so it's really refreshing. So he was kind of my first biffy just for being a good egg, but um, I think it's got to go to Luca for the um, for the maker truck. Yeah. Uh, so Jenny Swiss, um, if you don't follow that channel, go and check it out on Instagram uh, and on YouTube as well. He's got some great videos of uh, making the truck. Uh, and all the adaptations that he's done, but it was really functional. It worked really well. It was really well thought out in terms of um, what pulled out of where. You know, it was like a fire truck. Um, so the table saw that comes out, and it's really well supported as well. It's like I saw this thing come out. I thought it was gonna be really flimsy and like bend, but it literally yeah. supported its own weight. Um, everything was really chunky, and everything had a, everything had its own place as well. It was literally like a fully equipped shop. Yeah, back of this it, truck. Um, it was and, but, really... but loads of fun as well. You know, big chunky tires and yeah. bright red. Um, had loads of character and it was just it was like a hub for for everyone to gather around um, yeah. and i really hope we can get it to to make a central next year as well yeah that'd be awesome because i must admit like the the few photos i did see of of um the whole event most of them were around the truck and it looked fucking awesome <laughs> it looked like it was like a really just great place to be um i'm massively jealous of everyone that got to not only see everyone else, but mostly everyone that got to see the truck. <laughs> but again, Luke is a super nice guy as well. Like I, I didn't really get an impression of his personality from from his channel. Yeah, he's quite a reserved guy. But in in real life, he's just really, really humble, really, really wise as well, and just 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 super nice guy. Yeah. Um, I've forgotten the order. Asb, you're next. Asb. Okay, cool. Me, uh, I am gonna. I was gonna spiff Jim, um, Jim Parkin that I talked about earlier on, but. Because he has already been talked about, um, and I've told you how lovely he is, and he's got a place in the shows. I'm instead going to spiff someone who really does do things in their own way, uh, and that's um, the Maker Monster. <laughs> um, if you don't follow the Maker Monster, I strongly suggest going and checking out his uh, his channel. Um, he's a little bit out there, and it's really, really good. His latest video is... Um, building a birdhouse, but it's Baba Yaga's house. Um, and if you don't know <laughs> the story of Baba Yaga, she's a uh, like I think Eastern European folklore um, witch um, who flies around in a cauldron 
and has a house that stands on chicken legs. Um, so that's why it's a birdhouse. Um, hey but yeah. guys, welcome back to the shop. Today we're building a birdhouse. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's properly fucking weird and funny and awesome and very very much uh, like a fools with tools kind of channel. So yeah, go check him out and give him lots of love and tell him we sent you. Yeah. Uh, Al, no, Brett. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, I gotta give uh, some props to Sam Fowler, Farrier Sam on Instagram, and he's he's just back to Sam Fowler on the tubes. I think Mythic Industries may have may have shifted back. Yeah. Anyway, um, just with all the blacksmithing stuff that we've been dealing with for the last couple of weeks, the two most important pieces of equipment aside from the power hammer have been the two gigantic forges that Sam made along with Mr. Baker, um, pump weld. They sent the forges over here and they were just, they needed refractory cement. They needed bases. You know, the burners are great, but we, Jim and I, neither of us have ever, you know, put any of that together. So he's been super helpful. He's been like checking in on me every day. Yeah. Asking how things are going, giving advice. And so there are tons of spiffing people out there, but Sam has been a lifesaver over the last week or two. So, yeah, nice, super nice guy. And to be fair, I, although you mentioned him very briefly, I think I'll put a, a link to uh, to Plumweld on the shows as well because yeah, he does some very cool stuff. Yes, he's he's very very weld plums. Also very spiffing. <laughs> he doesn't weld plums. Well, that's a stupid name. You're a stupid name. No. Uh, any other business? Oh, I did have something. I think one of the funniest videos I've watched in a very long time was Simone and Laura making a tampon Pez. Oh my God, <laughs> yes. So if you so haven't watched good. it, please, for the love of Christ, go it was, on. It was Laura. Uh, it was the two of them sat in the tractor discussing ideas back and forth. And then it was at the end, Laura going, the first thing I ever made on a mill was a giant tampon. <laughs> Fucking brilliant. <laughs> Um, yeah, good show. That's just good. It's glorious. Yeah, uh, I've got, I've got an enemy of the business. Yes, go, go, go. Uh, there's an English show on YouTube called "Don't Touch Me, I'm Scared," um, which is creepy as fuck. Uh, it's really, really funny. It's really dark. It's kind of made like Sesame Street, um, but it's just been taken up um, by American TV. Um, Conan is it Conan O'Brien? The comedian Conan, Conan, yeah, and um, he's started to uh, produce his, a couple of TV shows. Uh, uh, Infinite Space is it called? The thing that's on Netflix. It's pretty good, um, but he's just picked up the rights for "Don't Touch Me, I'm Scared," and they're going to turn it into a full series, and it's absolutely brilliant. Um, so we'll put there's there's six episodes on YouTube at the moment. They're only like sort of five minutes long, uh, but they will thoroughly disturb you. Um, Amazing. I've not heard of that, so I'm... Don't touch me, I'm scared. Oh, watch the time one. It's amazing. Awesome. Uh, Cool. I think that is everything, and everyone, we're all done. I really need to go to sleep. I've had, like, three hours sleep in the last month. (laughs) Uh, Cool. We all done? Yeah. I've asked that, haven't I? You have. Yeah, cool. Okay. 
Uh, if you want to get hold of any of us, you can find us on all the u- usual social medias. You can find me at Moonshine Metalworks. You can find Brett at Skull and Spade 13. And you can find Al at Al's Hack Shack. Al's Hack Shack. Yeah, we go. Uh, and if you want to get hold of us as a collective, um, you can go to www.fwtpodcast.com. Uh, FWP podcast on Instagram, and there is even a Facebook group. Uh, yeah, go check that out. There's like there's lots of really cool people in there. Um, that's it. So we love you and bye. <laughs> <laughs>